What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? It's a special Sunday slash Monday edition of the Drive Time Podcast. I am your host, as I am every single day, here to bring you your daily dose every single day, Travis Wingfield. And on today's show, it's all 22 review, not a Tuesday, but rather an all 22 Monday. We're finishing up the Ravens win before we turn the page here. And it starts with the tape, the numbers, the snap counts. You guys know the drill. Plus, we'll scan the social, all of that and more. From the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex, this is the Drive Time Podcast. So it's Sunday, a little before noon, the F1 race coming up, a whole slate of NFL action, my first Sunday off to watch it all. I'm a little bit excited about it. If you haven't checked out the top news story up on MiamiDolphins.com, please go do that. Tons of good information and insight there for you guys on Thursday's win and this Dolphins football team 10 weeks into the season. And you guys know what time it is. It's the All-22 Review. Had a great time watching this film, especially on the defensive side. And you know these podcasts, typically on the Tuesday podcast, which again is a little bit early this week. I talk really fast through these things because I find myself getting more and more excited as I detail the information that I have gone back and found for y'all to put onto the podcast. So stay with me. Let's go ahead and run through this thing, the offense, the defense, the numbers, all that fun stuff. And we start on the offensive side of the football. Just a few of the plays we're looking at here. And I want to talk about some of the play sequencing because I think the deep shot to Albert Wilson, the blown coverage late in the game that helped the Dolphins put this game away for 64 yards from Tungavailoa to Wilson. I think it was a variation of multiple plays throughout the game. And I could be wrong on this, but if you watch the Adam Shaheen screen down around the goal line, that's a bunch of rhymes, early in the first half, he goes in motion, Wilson does, then runs that same replace route where he kind of just angles that motion up towards the perimeter right behind the wide receiver who clears the space out for him. But the first time around, Baltimore has it covered. Later, Tungavailoa's first play in the game after replacing an injured Jacoby Brissett, he comes out of the pistol. Albert goes in motion again, and this time they're late to get over there. And I'm thinking, I wonder if that's what they saw to say, hey, if we do this one more time, maybe they take the cheese on this, this possible jet sweep, this possible inside handoff, especially, especially late in the game when the Ravens might be thinking this Dolphins offense is going to want to kill some clock and trust that defense, but they didn't do that. And that's my favorite part of this entire game, probably of the entire season, was getting aggressive. Go win the game with your offense. I'm a huge proponent of that, and I absolutely love to see it in this game. And off of play sequencing, no less, fantastic work by the Dolphins coaching staff. Now, the long pass to Shaheem, Another one of these instances I've talked about on the podcast before, you guys know I have my preferences, and this is just Travis Wingfield sitting in this podcast studio talking about what he sees in a football field, but one of my personal preferences is this particular look here, another instance of scheming up a nice deep shot with good pass protection, which max protection with was, I believe, seven guys in pass pro, maybe eight guys in this particular look, but again, third and short, going deep, 
you know how much I love that. It's great high percentage throws as far as deep throws goes. You're never going to get a higher percentage throw than third and short or fourth and short on those instances. And this time Shaheen just goes up and makes a 50-50 rebound on a lob ball that was over the top of Chuck Clark, one of our focuses of the preview show earlier in the week. And he took a while to get through the jam, but it just didn't matter because the pass pro was so good. So that's going to be a theme throughout this podcast. These big plays, which they usually are, were a great indicator of all 11 guys getting their job done. How about some more offensive line protection work? On the Mike Gesicki drop slash Marlon Humphrey pass breakup, it's a third and nine play on the second drive. I'll let you be the judge of whether or not it's a drop or a PBU. I tend to lean PBU. I think when a defensive back separates your hands or puts his hands in the football, that indicates a pass breakup. But on this play, the Dolphins offensive line effectively picked up a seven-man blitz. How much do you love to hear that? Seven rushers come, no one gets home. And Mac Hollins on that play as well ran a beautiful curl route, a little curl slash dig where he takes a couple steps inside towards the curl zone. But that cat blitz got around the running back off the outside, Patrick Laird, in the situation for a QB hit. So the ball had to come out earlier to Mike. But on that play, Mac Hollins, a nasty route. And that was a theme throughout this game for a particular receiver. We'll get to that in just one second. I love the way they found to get clean pockets in multiple looks. Like, we know that pass protection has been an issue at times this season, and there were some struggles again in this game. We know about the outside tackle pressure, which we'll hear about later on from both the left and right side in pass pro. It wasn't great in this game, but they found a way to scheme up these really clean pockets for these guys, Jacoby or Tua, to take their shots. And there's a play action shot on the first drive. It's a slot fade to Mike that went incomplete, but they pull Robert Hunt, and then Liam and Austin hit a double team to seal off the field side. Uh, to the same side the running back is on Miles Gaskin, and they did it again later to open the drive in the first half that started at the 10-yard line, the first real bad field position of the game. You get a clean pocket, the dig opens up, and there was just a perfect line of sight, a perfect pass protection there for the quarterback. And on this particular play, I thought there was a missed read. Uh, you get a, a, a dig route from Preston Williams. The linebackers suck in. The outside safety in cover two is giving inside leverage, which means that his butt is to the sideline, and he wants the route to go inside over to his help. And Miami did a good job again with the route combination to use a backside crossing route to clear out that other side of the field safety to create space for this dig route, but the ball just didn't come out. The ball's got to come out on those particular looks. Doesn't come out here. We scramble, throw the football away. It's a wasted down. But that whole, whole point of that was these clean pockets, the finding way to scheme them up is only going to create more and more deep shots as it did in the second half of this game. I think throughout the course of the rest of the season, it bodes well for the Dolphins offense. A couple more plays here. Albert Wilson caught a screen pass early on. And just again, to kind of give a nod to the offensive line, both Robert Hunt and Jesse Davis got out in space and made key blocks. Then it's just Albert Wilson making moves. He has two sharp cuts, must have learned them from Robert Hunt in this game that freed him of possible tacklers. If you can add that element to this offense and maybe you get Will Fuller back? Maybe Devontae Parker comes back in a couple weeks? I I'm getting ahead of myself, but maybe in a couple weeks, maybe we finally get the full version of this offense we pictured back in the summer. Speaking of the full version of the offense, how about Isaiah Ford's game as we get into the individuals here? What a game he had. His first catch, a fantastic whip route to create plenty of space on second and nine, and it puts Miami in position for a third and one, which they would convert. So great job by Will, uh, Isaiah Ford rather to sell an inside route, jerk that thing back to the outside. And he also did a great job to win a back shoulder type of throw from Jacoby on the 19-yard reception he had before the end of that first half. 
Nice route to snap it off right when Jacoby had put it out there. I thought this is one of the best, one of Jacoby's best anticipatory throws he's had this entire season, maybe his entire career. Not really his game, but on this play, it was a fantastic throw from Jacoby. Then the 52-yarder was a total coverage bust. You got Chuck Clark down in the box. He starts to bail out and starts to run to play that deep half of the field, but then he just rotates out the other way and goes to the middle of the field. And Isaiah Ford's turned free at the line of scrimmage with a cornerback, and you see the cornerback look back like, where the hell are you? Like, we we focused on Chuck Clark, and that's kind of, kind of communication issues popped up a couple times in this game for them, and it led to big plays for the Dolphins. So good job by Miami, though, to capitalize on those and some nice running after the catch by Isaiah Ford. Miles Gaskin, I think his best run of the game was the game-clinching run, in my opinion, a second and nine run from the 10-yard line that he gains eight yards on, where it was tough sledding all game long, but he got great blocks across the board and just found this tiny crease between Jackson and Liam for a nice, important seven-yard run, which Miami would later execute and convert, which put the game to bed, especially after the touchdown. But getting that first down was key. And just the running game right now, the entire running back stable, they're just not seeing it and hitting it right now. And I know that the blocking hasn't always been great, but I think it's getting a lot better and the backs got to do more to take advantage of what's out there on the tape, for my opinion. Speaking of the offensive line, I thought Austin has obviously been through a bunch this year. We all know about that. A, a tried and true, you know, first round pick from last year who's getting his reps in and, and growing, I think. And I think you see every single week that he is getting better. But one thing I see on tape every week is a certain demeanor that he plays with. He's kind of a, let's just say... I wrote down a bit of a pest, but that doesn't do it justice. He's a bit of an a-hole, if you want to be honest about it, just in the way he plays. Great guy, nice guy otherwise, but the way he plays, kind of a card-carrying a-hole, which you need to have on a football field. He finishes through the whistle. He finds work. You see him kind of putting his hands on guys, and they get upset about it throughout the course of the game. You, ha- you love to see a guy that can set the tone like that. He'll run eight yards down the field when the play is beyond him and give Miles or Savon or whoever the back is an extra surge. He also, like Robert Hunt tends to do every single week, finds himself a slack of ribs in this game. What does that mean? It's when someone else is engaged in pass protection. You don't have work, so you come over and you find that man and you put him on his back with a big shot to the side. Great job by Austin Jackson and Rob Hunt every single game. I love the way they're coached to do that. I also think he's playing more in control and space. He's been doing these little skip step pull action where you kind of get, you you pull to the other side of the formation, but does a skip step to get himself clear of it. And when he comes around the end, the edge in those looks, or when he climbs to the second level as a run blocker, I think his processor is speeding up. He's, he's getting things quicker and he's playing more in control. And I think one thing that could really help him is if he can start to kind of keep his feet more active upon contact. They still go dead a little bit when he gets that contact, but I'm seeing a lot of progression here from Austin Jackson, just from my own perspective on the tape. Speaking of offensive line play, Rob, Rob Hunt. Peter Schrager said on Good Morning Football on Thursday, the first time I watched that show in three months because I work every morning uh, here at the facility, but having that morning off, he said that people around the league are saying Rob Hunt's playing at a Pro Bowl level. I think that might be accurate. He's playing pretty well right now, and his pad level is so good. Fires out of his stance, and he's not just getting on blocks. Like There's so many instances where, because I've watched Christian Wilkins do this all season long, or I've just watched the offensive line kind of have its struggles, where you see it stack up, you see the run play coming in that direction, and then you just kind of expect the defensive lineman to chuck him and, and shed him and get the tackle. It doesn't happen with 68. 
He's getting on those blocks. He's staying on those blocks. And what's more, he's also turning guys out of the gap because when you two gap, and again, go watch Christian Wilkins. He's one of the best in the NFL at this, where you stack it up and then you, you lock out your arms, full extension so that you the guy can't control the rep. And then you can use your, your eyes to peek around either side, stack and peek as they call it. You'll see him doing it out here in practice every single day, training camp or otherwise. And these defensive linemen are trying that on Robert Hunt, but not only is he not letting them do that, He's saying, I have to get your butt to the right side of this gap so my back can get through, and he's doing it. So he's not just hitting blocks, staying on them. He's turning guys and moving them off the spot. And then also, when he hits these double teams, and this is with Jesse Davis most of the time, obviously, shoulder to shoulder, hip to hip, and that's a two-man thing. So it's good to see it come together for both of those guys. But he does it in a way with that kind of right arm into Jesse's left arm where he keeps his left arm free and can then get another shot on an additional uh, pursuing tackler and he had a couple of catch and climbs in this game where he's basically impacting two defenders. That's how you get things going in the running game. And I kept on watching him in the run game, you know, expecting him to lose one of these reps, and he's just not doing it. He stays on these blocks. I'm feeling really good about this transition to guard for Robert Hunt. It appears to really, really be clicking for him. Uh, speaking of the rest of the offensive line here, I thought that Liam had some good doubles and an excellent block in space on the Albert Wilson end around in the fourth quarter. Talked a little bit about some of the struggles across the board in pass protection. Liam out at left tackle, Jesse at right tackle, some of the stuff across the interior. Austin Ryder had a couple of situations. In, and I talk about Rob Hunt there. He too got beat a couple times in pass pro. So just in pass pro, not their, their greatest night. But I think this offensive line is coming a long, long way in terms of their run blocking, and we'll see if they can start to take advantage of that here in the second half of the season. I talked about one of Jacoby's best throws. I want to talk about two more. I thought he had three really nice throws in this game. Uh, first and 10 from the plus 46, immediate pressure off the left side of the formation, and he gets away immediately and throws on the move, right on time, right on target to Jalen Waddle. And Waddle, by the way, did something on this route that he did all night with regularity, and it garnered a tweet from Marlon Humphrey, which I put in the top news story today up on MiamiDolphins.com. But Waddle gets a free release working off a stack, which means there's a guy right in front of him. This time I think it was Durham Smythe. Maybe Mike Gesicki didn't write the note down, but it was a big tight end. He pushes inside to force Humphrey to do a head whip where you know Humphrey's basically committed to the inside route, and then Jalen cuts that thing back to the outside with a nasty... Just a nasty, nasty cut back to the outside. And then Humphrey has to turn his back to the formation. You see that 44 from the end zone angle, and he tries to close down the out route, but it's too much space there for Waddle, who comes out of this out cut from a nasty split. A nasty split is in tight to the formation, and it gave Jacoby tons of space to work with, which he needed because of that pressure. But it was a good throw and a phenomenal route. And we're going to talk about Waddle here in just one second because the entire segment dedicated to Waddle's route running in this podcast, I thought it was his best game as a professional. Another one of Jacoby's best throws, the shot to Shaheen before the half. He's good on those low ball into congested area type of throws where he can drive it to the ground and take his man to the ground. Think about Matt Collins' throw, the touchdown last week against Houston. Did it again here to Shaheen to put that ball away from danger and a big reception there for the Miami Dolphins. All right, Waddle. Oh, man. Oh, buddy. This was a fun, fun tape for Jalen Waddle. First, before we talk about the route running, go look at his blocking downfield on the Albert Wilson reverse in the early minutes of the fourth quarter. When we talk about the route running and pair that with what he does in the blocking game, 
big fan, big, big fan. So early on, the motion and, you know, having Albert Wilson part of this game plan, primarily on those fly sweep actions, the end around, the double pass attempt they ran. I think this was a great idea all night long because it kind of freed up Waddle to do some more downfield route running. And when you watch this game on tape, you'll see why that's a dangerous thing for the opposing defense. On the 35-yard reception, I think you saw what he could do with it. There are chances opening up for him in this offense. And I think as the offensive line continues to gel, it's going to get incrementally better. And if they can keep at it, keep quarterback one healthy and upright, then I think you're going to start to really see some of these things pop. Some more instances of that. Third and nine on the sack on the opening drive. He's the three to the or the three to the field goes in motion to a nasty split again end tight to the formation and Jalen pushes five yards beyond the sticks and whips that thing back to the outside right behind the flat defender and the pass rush just barely got home and the ball's out the ball's not out he takes a sack the ball could have come out on time and made a completion but it doesn't get out and the Ravens overload this pressure and use dummy pressure to rotate and fill and Robert Hunt pulls over to the other side of the formation to help out, but pushes the stunting nose right into the two Austins, Ryder and Jackson, and creates a lane for the Ravens to come down downhill on a pass rush. But on that route, if you watch the All-22, go watch Waddle. He creates tons of space and turns his man around. There's a throwaway to start the second drive. The dig route is there. Linebacker steps up. We talked about it already. On the run action, protection's good. Ball has to come out. It does not. But away from that play, Waddle runs... From the one to the field, which is the the wide side of the formation, the furthest split out receiver, he runs right at the middle of the field safety who is in cover three. So he has the middle half and you have two cornerbacks that have the outside halves in that particular look. And just, again, watch the end zone angle on that play if you have the all-22. The acceleration from the time that he takes his route from getting vertical to going sideways, he flies. It looks like he's on fast forward and everybody else is in regular motion. It's phenomenal, the speed this guy plays with. Later, Tua's first throw. Mike takes the point on a stack, which again, you stack your receivers up to create free releases, and Waddle does a good job of staying inside his man so that Humphrey has to come over the top of that pick, and it creates plenty of space for Tua to Waddle. Just continue to good picks, good route combinations, good route running. Tua's first third down conversion, again, he hits Marlon Humphrey, or rather the first third down play, not a conversion. They went incomplete, but he gets Humphrey again, and Humphrey gets turned around and slips out of the break. He's putting all pro cornerbacks on the ground with the route running. The slot fade that drew the defensive pass interference. He slow plays the release off the line. And the moment he hits the Jets, you see Humphrey crank up the urgency. And the only way he was going to able to keep up was to grab a hold. He does DPI first and 10 at the one yard line. Go watch this game. Go watch 17. It was a clinic on route running. And I'm very excited about what he could be. Tua Tunga Bailoa comes into the game, second half. Let's talk about his game. I really appreciate the way he navigates the pocket with his eyes up downfield on that weird early misfire to Mike Gesicki where you might be thinking, man, the finger is really bothering him. What the heck was that throw? It's way off target. But if you go back and watch it, it's a miscommunication all the way. And those are obviously a killer because it would have been third and short instead of third and 10, which they did not convert. But on that play, you see Mike slowly like check up, like, oh, I'm going to set this route down right here. And Tua goes to pull it, the trigger and then Mike takes back off again. So it's like a check up or continue that route and really, and, and just continue on to the other side of the formation. They're just not on the same page. There's no one, you know, that's a fault we can't place because we're not part of the play call. But it wasn't just an errant throw. Like, it was a miscommunication. So one guy saw one thing, the other guy saw something else. Also for Tua, the first RPO look. Just a nice way of creating multiple conflicts and passing lanes. And this is a short gain to Albert Wilson. But you fake the handoff and you read number six, who's Patrick Queen, 
on that Ravens defense. And he stays in the first lane as Mike Gesicki from the two, which is the second receiver furthest from the outside, runs a slant, and Queen stays in that lane. So he's off the line. Don't hand it off. He's in that passing lane on the first lane. Don't throw it there. So he throws in behind that to the second passing window, which clears to Albert Wilson, who runs a Texas route. Go outside, cross face back inside, usually a running back route, but he runs this from the one position to that side of the formation, and it sets up a manageable third and three that they would convert. On the flea flicker, it's really too bad that Calais Campbell came right down the middle and pressured that thing early because that ball, you know, if it gets back to two or sooner, both Albert Wilson and Preston Williams are 10 yards behind the defense. But it was never going to get down that field because Tua has two guys running free right in his face, and they're already 40 yards away. So if you crank that thing 60 yards down the field with pressure in your face kind of falling away from those guys, that's basically what you would have needed. And then you also have time for the safeties to catch up and get under that ball. It just wasn't going to happen. But a good job to kind of hot potato that thing, say, you know, you want the ball, I don't want the ball, you take the ball, and a nice 10-yard gain there. The 35-yard throw, which is a couple plays later, Tua, Waddle, the route design, the pass pro, all Beautiful. One of the best plays of the season for the Miami Dolphins. I think Tua was actually just a half beat late on this throw, but it didn't matter. I, th- I think if he would have wanted it back, he would have thrown it one hitch earlier in the progression for himself. It was the same result, though, because Waddle comes off the line like an absolute screaming banshee. Like you see the suddenness and the burst and the speed, which can create vertical opportunities when Pass Pro isn't holding up as well because of that speed. But he turns number 21, Anthony Averett, completely around. And this belongs in the Waddle route file as well. But then he slams on the brakes, breaks this thing off to the corner, and that and Anthony Averett doesn't know what's happening. He's been put in the spin cycle. He breaks this thing back to the corner, and the ball's coming out. And Gasicki's crossing route from the front side of the formation holds that underneath defender, and it gives Tua a small lane, a small window, and he layers that thing beautifully. Next Gen Stats had it at 46 air yards, and it was a 30.6% completion probability, and he nails it. Fantastic throw, fantastic play. Oh, and guess what? Albert Wilson was in jet motion again. I think that was a big key in this game. There's a third and eight play later. A shot to Isaiah Ford from midfield. The snap is wide and low. Tua reaches down by his ankles and grabs it one-handed. I'm surprised he even got that thing. And then picks it up and throws a strike to Isaiah Ford, who makes a tough contested catch. But again, back to Waddle. Looks like he was open on the drive concept, which is two uh, routes that try to separate high and low for the defense to, to kind of create that conflict. And Waddle's behind Ford for an even bigger completion. And you even see him reach his hands up to catch the football but it was ruled a half yard short on the Ford catch. Could have been a potential dagger if they hit that route and once again waddle wide open. Very next drive, the play that put Miami on the doorstep of victory, 21 for Baltimore, just came up on the play fake. And once he sees Tua pull that ball out of Miles' belly, he turns and runs, but it's obviously too late. They stayed with that look all game long. Albert Wilson gets up the sideline, and 21 doesn't see him. You see him immediately. Once that ball comes out of the belly, he takes back off because he knows that he was responsible for that look back there, I think is what I'm seeing, or he just knew that someone blew it, so he goes back that way. But the ball to Wilson on time, on target. Don't miss those throws. He didn't. It's a game-clinching type of play. There was a few more off-target throws than you're used to from Tua in this game, and you'll see that in the stats portion. But I really liked the plan for him on some of those quick hitters, using the horizontal action both pre- and post-snap 
happen. Of course, that big throw on first and 20, just making a big play in a big spot. The QB sneak to put the ball in the end zone. I, I thought this was a nice Miami moment for Tua, as, as I think ESPN covered that pretty well. But all things told, not his best performance throwing the football. But when you've got a broken finger and you're 8 for 13 with 158 yards and a game-clinching drive after the Ravens just went 99 yards, if that's like our low bar for a second-year quarterback, I'm going to be pretty happy with that. My final thought on the offense, just needed better execution inside the 10-yard line. The run game was tough sledding. Passing game, having a hard time getting much going. Penalties, you got to cut those things out. Two false starts inside the 5-yard line. An ineligible touch or legal touching on the inside the 10-yard line. Can't do that stuff. It's killing this team, and they score one touchdown on four trips inside the 10-yard line. Got to get that fixed. So we always start with the offense first, but the defense deserved it this time, but we didn't change it because that's what we do, baby. But on the defense now, we talked about the Ravens' 12 and 21 personnel packages in the preview episode, which means two tight ends or two running backs. And that called upon for a lot of base-style defenses out of your Miami Dolphins, including lots of bare fronts, which you, you're going to put a a defensive lineman over the center over and over each guard, a, a zero technique and two, two techniques. And then your outside backers play quasi five techniques in two point stance, stand up type of roles. There's your bare front. And also two stack backers, which means you stack a backer behind either of the two techniques, the two guards, and that creates opportunities for them to run, run free and run clean towards the ball carrier. And what did it do but produce 94 rushing yards for the Ravens, their second lowest total in the Lamar Jackson era. And that seemed to play right into Miami's strength all night long. All these cover corners, not to mention Brandon Jones and Javon Holland, who were slot corner slash star role type of players their final years in college. And man, that versatility really helps out. But Baltimore had success early in this game with running those kind of pinning those four techniques where the tackles would just squeeze the four techniques and then using chips and speed to the edge to get wide on those outside backers. And I was wondering, how are the Dolphins going to adjust to this? Because they're just going to run this ball at those two guys all night long, and it's going to be a tough night. But Miami did adjust by adding more hats into the box, more players down there, and primarily the two safeties who came up. There were some split safety looks early on. I did see Brandon Jones play a stack position early in this game, but they kind of got out of the two split safety looks and just didn't really do it a whole lot after that first series. And they also just executed better, beating more blocks, two gapping better, uh, coaching, production, execution. It was all on point in this game. If you can't tell, it was my favorite tape of the season. It was a fun one to watch. And they got extra hats in the box in different ways. Even one rep here with Byron Jones coming off the edge, you know, he's going to go down and take on a pulling guard to create a lane for your Landon Roberts to scrape and make a tackle. I, I love the versatility of this defensive backfield. Also, the simulated pressure looks with guys dropping. It worked to perfection, and a big reason why, I thought, when they pulled rushers out, of, out into the hook, and this can be anyone from Christian Wilkins to Adam Butler to Jalen Phillips, they're going to pull anybody out they damn well please because it creates confusion up front. In these drops, they got depth. Get get depth. I'm always calling to get depth. Don't just hang out five yards behind the line of scrimmage and cover nobody. Go get your depth and find a person. And coming in, nobody had been more explosive on crossing routes per next-gen stats than these Baltimore Ravens, but they undercut a ton of these routes and did it with a guy like Adam Butler who gets 12 yards of depth and takes away this crossing route. Fantastic work, Adam, in addition to your first sack as a Miami Dolphin. Great, great job by Adam Butler doing that. Even saw Emmanuel Ogba out there, and the you know he's got pterodactyl wingspan out there infecting the, or affecting the passing lane. Great job by this Dolphins defense all night long. Some of the individuals. 
Christian Wilkins has another long paragraph on this podcast from your boy. <laughs> He's so good. He's so, so good. First snap, four technique, snatch and chuck, right tackle Tyree Phillips. 345 pounds, by the way, snatches him by the shirt, chucks him to the ground. He's on his skis, falling forward like that girl that does the popcorn in the movie theater trip where she throws the popcorn in the air. He was doing that to guys all night long. Same drive, same position, inside rip, leaves him out over his skis again. And this is really all hands to the area where I think Christian has taken his game to another level, a Pro Bowl level. He comes clean and disrupts the mesh point on zone read from the pistol. And Lamar keeps it to get wide, and Brandon Jones flags him down step for step. So Christian constantly impacting plays, regardless if he makes the play or not. He is he's been so good this year. The next series, Phillips squares up and the tight end tries to double him. He doesn't move him. The, the right tackle, Tyree Phillips, knocks, squares him up. Tight end comes in, tries to chip him, doesn't move, and allows Alandon Roberts to come off of his butt and scrape for a tackle. Then he gets off the block and makes the tackle with Riley and Roberts. He's doing this every single week. Stack up double teams, get off blocks, make the play. Very next play, he's the two-eye technique, which is the inside shoulder of the offensive guard. He beats Bradley Bozeman, the center, across his face, so slants across his face and takes him right into the backfield, and it sets up Ogba, who had a strong edge set on that play on Devontae Freeman for a two-yard loss. And then finally, second half opening drive, he chucks a guy again to make a TFL with Andrew Van Ginkle. Christian Wilkins is playing at a Pro Bowl level. If you don't agree, go talk to a wall. Zach Sealer had some really good rushes where he reset the pocket and made Lamar reset his motion, which had him off rhythm. And we saw how frustrated he was throughout the course of this game. The start of the second quarter, Sealer holds the point and creates a lane for Alandon Roberts to scrape off of. Roberts scraped off these guys all night long. They played so well up front to make a big collision and tackle for no gain. A good read on the fullback from Roberts here to take him to the football. He comes across the formation to make that play. And his big TFL, Sealers, I should say, was just a great call to, again, get more hats than they can block. And Sealer gets turned free. The fullback gets wide for a Brandon Jones blitz and Sealer wins for a big play and a big stop. He's playing really well this year. We don't talk about him that much, but he is playing like he always does. Very strong at the point, good against the run, occasional pass rush. Manuel Ogba again, put him in the movie SWAT starring Michael Pena, I think it was. I don't remember. I didn't, I didn't see the movie. Ethan Hawke, maybe, but put him in that movie because he gets one every single week. Eyes on the quarterback, quick game, keeps his frame clean, doesn't let the offensive lineman get into his chest, creates that distance, gets the hands up. He leads all defensive linemen in passes defensed, and he started putting together his pass rush plan in this game, too, and I think it got started with that bat because you see Tyree Phillips starting to think, I have to get into his chest plate to really force him to declare his move and don't let him get his hands up in the air, and I think he was tired of Emmanuel getting his hands inside because once that happened, he started started throwing the cross chop, the double swipe, the dip and rip. He was putting all kinds of moves on Phillips to cause issues. That was a big matchup in this game, and Ogba won it. Adam Butler, again, just the first step explosiveness. It helped him get that first career sack as a Miami Dolphin, and he was just too quick for the screen game to get set up all night long. Big game for Adam Butler. Jalen Phillips, his half sack was Similar to last week, he lined up inside the tackle and wins across the face. Typically, a dip and rip move working off that explosive first step really is effective for Phillips when he condenses inside. And I thought Van Ginkle did a great job of keeping his frame clean so that he could shed his block when Lamar stepped around that pressure and then they met at the quarterback. Good job by Jalen to stay with it and keep working. And that pursuit on the Lamar Jackson scramble where he basically was outflanked and outran Lamar Jackson. I mean... They're not even even. They're, he's outflanked by five yards, and he runs him down. Absolute freak 
A guy that can pass rush in that interior position and do that, absolute freak. Sorry, plugging the computer in. I mentioned Andrew Van Ginkle. His, uh, he forced an errant throw on Lamar early in the game with a move on Alejandro Villanueva to get it overset and then win back underneath. That's kind of the stuff we saw from him last year. Quickness to win with kind of the slippery pass rush moves. He gets skinny and he does it with quickness. Had a nice upfield move, then a crossover step to get inside here on Villanueva to force an errant throw. I thought he played super fast in this game. Did a great job staying square as he closed the distance in the backfield, but staying in a, in a position to turn and run. So he was able to take on blocks and get wide. Good game from Andrew Van Ginkle. I think Jerome Baker had his best game of the year. That toss play to Devontae Freeman at the end of the first half. The pursuit outside to take both the threat of Lamar's run and to force the quick pitch to Freeman and then to retrace and get wide and run him down. Awesome, awesome, awesome play from Jerome Baker. Like That's a tough ask, and he did both things very well on that play. Javon Holland has a long paragraph. Did you guess that was coming? Second play, big run by Duvernay, comes from depth. Go watch that thing on the All-22, <laughs> the depthest of depths. And he's on his horse right away and never decelerates through the hit. The fact that he can basically hit a Lamborghini when he's in a McLaren running full speed head-on, he's phenomenal in that regard. He's such an explosive player. And his pass breakup, same situation. The natural instincts just kick in because you see that he's in position to affect two routes, in position to run with Byron Jones's man to help over the top. But Byron's got it. So he's like, all right, I'm going to go then, dog. You got it. I'm taking care of this one. He starts to close and he gets there right when the ball does for a pass breakup. I mean, he's 10 yards away when Lamar Jackson starts to throw this ball, but the anticipation puts him right there. Bang! Great play. I like the way he and Jones can set tackles up with those outside rush lanes to create lanes inside. The quickness, the urgency, the speed, the timing. His sack was an overload with Jerome Baker and Eric Rowe right alongside him. And the back tried to come in and cut down Baker, who took a quick angle to the quarterback. So a great rush here from Jerome Baker. And that gave Holland the free run, who does not waste a step on those outside rushes. He closes that thing and angles to the quarterback and puts them in. You got to make a decision right now or you're going to get hit hard type of situation. He's great in that regard. Very next play. He baits Lamar Jackson into that deep shot that he lays out for. He flips his hips to the field, and you see Lamar, his eyes kind of get big, like, I'm going to take this deep shot. This dude's open. But nope, he flips back around and gets to the boundary, runs over the top of that thing, and Hollywood Brown shuts the route down because our Hollywood Vaughn was over the top. Impressive, impressive stuff. Even though there was defensive pass interference underneath, great play. Two plays later, he gets outside of a block and then he's that he's outflanked on and he helps run the jet pot past the sideline, forces the, the ball carrier to bubble and never gets stuck on that block. And then Brandon Jones shows you his speed and instincts and, and, and just acceleration to come over the top and they team up for that stop for a short gain. Might have even been a TFL. Just these two safeties are playing so well right now. And speaking of Jones, the way he attacks blocks inside, he made a play because he just came downhill on a pair of blocks, the fullback to his side, where he just runs in there and jams that thing. He outflanks Lamar and just gets in and whacks him and wound up in the correct gap, which Wilkins, who had obliterated a double team on this play, helped them win those matchups together for a, a combined tackle right there. So that was the situation all night. All these guys finding ways to impact the running lanes and win their matchups. Eric Rowe, he came a long way for that force fumble he had in this game. Unfortunately, Baltimore gets it back, but great effort and a great tackle. They missed the field goal, though, so great job by getting the ball carrier down. Miami just rallied and tackled all night really well. He also had a nice tackle and a third and 10 screen pass early in the second quarter to help get the defense off the field. 
Justin Coleman, a, th- a later third and long screen. He blows up the lead block and clears a lane for Xavier and Howard to come up and make an open field tackle. This was the theme of the night. The Dolphins just blowing up blocks and beating tackles on the perimeter. So the, the Ravens just couldn't get anything going against that zero pressure look. Uh, also, he had a great pass breakup on that deep ball. Good job high pointing it, not interfering with the receiver and getting his hands on the football. Now, Xavier Howard's the ball skills on the strip. You all saw it. You all know. That's what he do. But he was terrific the entire game, tackling well outside. Successful jams went up on the line. Great job playing with an eye inside, but then showing the ability to open the hips and go get vertical, whether it was zone or man, pattern matching. And the run back was tremendous. He set up blocks and got great blocks from Coleman and Ogba on that play. And then Byron Jones, again, terrific tackles all night long. He hits uh, Marquise Brown, gets him down a little flat route early in the game to get through traffic and make a play on the on tackle. He was also in good shape on a lot of deep balls, never got stacked, played aggressive. Man, him and X's ability to fluidly flip between 0, 1, and 3 coverages gives this defense so much flexibility on top of what these safeties can do. Just a great, great game plan, great adjustments, great execution. What else can you say? Terrific game. Dolphins win, and it's a big one. Some PFF numbers and next-gen numbers. Tua here, fourth quarter, three for five, 93 yards. That's 18.6 yards per pass, and it improved his fourth quarter quarterback rating to 104.7, which is the fourth highest since 1994, and his 12 touchdowns, this stat courtesy of CK Parrott on Twitter, his 12 touchdowns on 139 plays is the highest percentage of touchdown plays of any quarterback over that span in the fourth quarter. So again, the lights get bright, Tua plays his best. 20-plus yard throws, 2 for 2, 99 yards. Under pressure, 3 for 5, 79 yards. Next Gen has Tua's completion over expected rate at 0.8, which is 13th among all qualifying quarterbacks this year. I think that's even more impressive when you consider his league best 21.8% aggressive rate, which this stat judges at the catch point, how much separation is there tracked through GPS between the receiver and the defender. If it's one yard or less, it counts as an aggressive throw. Tua leads the league in aggressive throw percentage at 21.8. Joe Burrow's next at 20.1, I believe it is. His time to throw jumped up to 2.56 seconds, which is a climb, still the third quickest in the league. At running backs, only Wilson, uh, Albert Wilson and Jacoby Brissett forced missed tackles. They both had one in the game. And the yards after contact average, Gaskin 1.71, Savon Ahmed 2.0. Receivers, Isaiah Ford 9.33 yards per route run. Yards per route run. Wow. 21 yards per target. Oh, wow. Albert Wilson, 5.12 yards per route run. Wow. 21.8 yards per target. Wow. That, those are crazy numbers. Jalen Waddle, 1.53 yards per route run and 10 yards per target, but he played the entire game mostly for the most part. So those numbers kind of get decreased because you run more decoy routes and more complimentary routes. Pass protection. Liam Eichenberg, seven pressures, two sacks and one hit. Austin Jackson, just two pressures, one hit. Austin Ryder, two pressures, no hits. Robert Hunt, six pressures, one sack and one hit. Jesse Davis, three pressures and one hit allowed. Jesse Davis, I think, had maybe his best game of the season in this one. Defensively, pressures. Javon Holland, six. (laughs) He leads the NFL now among safeties. Andrew Van Ginkle and Emmanuel Ogba, five apiece. Ogba moved into a tie for eighth among edge defenders with 40 QB pressures this year. That ties Shaq Barrett of the defending champion Buccaneers. Brandon Jones had two pressures and a handful of guys had one pressure. Run stops, Van Ginkle, Baker, Roberts, 
Howard all had three run stops apiece. Sealer, Brandon Jones, and Eric Rowe had two apiece, and a bunch of guys had one. Coverage numbers. Byron Jones allowed nine catches on 10, on 10 targets. I don't remember it being that bad. 105 yards. Xavier Howard, four of five for 32 yards. Eric Rowe, four of five for 31 yards. Javon Holland, one of four completed for just six yards. Justin Coleman, just one of four completed for no yards. Also had an interception and a pass breakup. Last two weeks, one for five going after Coleman. Zero yards, two interceptions, and a PBU. That, of course, is a 0.0 rating. Javon Holland, before action on Sunday, this coming Sunday, has the most pressures in the NFL by any safety. It's 14. Brandon Jones has the second most with 12. And it wasn't just pass rush. Holland in coverage on 31 snaps, targeted four times, just six yards gained. And Brandon Jones, 36 coverage snaps, two for three, 22 yards gained. These guys are rushers. They're cover guys. They're really getting it done right now. Some snap counts real quick. Offensively, Tua played 32. Jacoby played 37 snaps. Offensive line went wire to wire. Waddle led all receivers with 61 snaps. That was 88% of the workload. Pretty clearly your number one receiver here. Albert Wilson, 38. Preston Williams, 18. Mac Hollins, 13. Isaiah Ford, 11. Mike Gesicki continues to play a high percentage of snaps. 81% in this game with 56 snaps. Durham Smythe played 41. Adam Shaheen played 38. Lots and lots of tight end reps for this Dolphins team. Miles Gaskin played 42 snaps. That was 61%, just 16 for Laird, and just nine for Savon Ahmed. Christian Wilkins also played two snaps on offense. Defensively, on the interior, Adam Butler leads the way with 47 snaps. That was 64%. Christian Wilkins, 34. Zach Sealer, 26. Raekwon Davis, 23. John Jenkins, three snaps off the edge. We talked about the change in the game plan. Andrew Van Ginkle, 67 snaps. That was 92%, a season high for him. Emmanuel Ogba, 46 snaps. Uh, Jalen Phillips, 41, and Brandon Scarlett, two snaps in the game at linebacker. A lot of linebacker snaps because of the base defense, the 3-4 looks, and Baker off the edge with Van Ginkle. 73 snaps every single rep for Jerome Baker, 28 for Roberts, 26 for Duke Riley, and 3 for Sam Egwavon. Cornerbacks, Xavier Howard and Byron Jones both played all 73 snaps. Justin Coleman played 44, and Nick Needham just five snaps in the game. At safety, Holland and Jones both played all 73, and Eric Rowe plays 44 snaps in the game. Let's scan the social and get the heck out of here. I want to go watch some Sunday football as well as the F1 race. 2000 and 2021 classes. I see a lot of takes on Twitter about the quality of the drafting done around here. 2021, what are you going to say? Because your first three picks right now are playing at a high, high level. We know about that. Javon Holland, six quarterback pressures, a sack, five total tackles, and two passes defense in this game. Jalen Phillips, half a sack, three total tackles. Waddle caught four passes for 61 yards, including a 35-yard gain on first and 20 that kind of turned the game around. Liam Eikenberg gave Tua ample time on that play to find Waddle. Last year's class, we mentioned Tua Tungavailoa's performance, the first pick of that 2020 class. Big, big game for him, a big, a big sign of progression going forward here in his Dolphins career. Austin Jackson surrenders a game low, two, uh, team low, I should say, two quarterback pressures, the 18th pick in that draft. Noah Igbenogany, you know, didn't play on defense a whole lot in this game or at all in this, this season, but he made a big special teams tackle on punt coverage. Robert Hunt enters the game with a second-best run block win rate among all NFL guards at 76%. He left the game with one of the more memorable moments in recent memory for comedic purposes, obviously, but he's playing well. Raekwon Davis helped stack up blockers all night long en route to holding Baltimore to 94 rushing yards. Brandon Jones, seven tackles, applied pressure on Jackson twice. Blake Ferguson executed uh, eight punt snaps, two point after tries, and three field goals, no failed snaps. So the draft classes are 
the reason, a big, big reason why this Dolphins team won this game against the Baltimore Ravens. And they're showing signs of progression every single week. In total, all those players from those two draft classes played 510 offensive snaps and defensive snaps and are showing significant strides midway through the season, the way Xavier Howard did his second season, the way Mike Kosicki did his second season, the way Christian Wilkins has. Again, trajectory for these young players. One, two, three years to develop. It looks like it's trending in that direction. That's my scan in the Soch. That's my podcast. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the fish tank. Hunter Goodwin this week with Seth and Juice. Of course, the, the postgame show on 560. We're going to be in MetLife for the MetLife Takeover, so come find us there. We'll be at plenty of events on Saturday as well. The YouTube channel for our media availabilities and Dolphins today. And, of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, Fins up, Caroline, Daddy's coming home.